everybody. Welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast, the officially unofficial podcast of all of television. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's the, the reach and scope. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Jim. And today we're going to be narrowing our focus yet again to a, a single singular episode of television, uh, the episode of Closer, which is the fifth episode of the miniseries Sharp Objects on HBO. Uh, Jim, what did you think of this episode? Uh, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a break, uh, for, for sharp objects. Although I have to say I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was effectively, it it was interesting because I, I knew at the end of last episode that Calhoun Day was going to be potentially deadly, uh, for, for some of the young girls around. I knew that it could potentially be, uh, tense between some of the attendees, and somewhere along the middle of that, I found myself forgetting it mm-hmm. and kind of giving in to Calhoun Day right. uh, and just sort of enjoying it, mm-hmm. even though there, there are terrible things happening left and right. We'll talk right. about them. Right. But somewhere along the way, I forgot that. And then about the time that the play, that the MDMA or or the whatever she took uh-huh. kicked in, uh-huh. I started thinking, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I forgot all about the the potential for really bad things to happen right, here right. and then it all it all became very tense suddenly yes. so i i felt like this was uh, a surprise episode for me and i enjoyed it yeah this felt like a definite calm before the storm episode like yeah. this might be the last time that we get to kind of that the showrunners get to kind of maneuver everything into place for what i'm sure is going to be a break net neck neck break neck pace for the next three episodes Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I too, I too enjoyed. It. I am like I, I don't know how I feel in the grand scheme of things about two AMA fakeouts in as many episodes. And, and you couldn't even get, you couldn't even watch this episode without knowing that AMA was alive because she's right. in the freaking screenshot on HBO now. Right, right. Uh, when you go to play this episode, so like I don't know about that, but um, and I, I really honestly don't know why they continue to ring that bell. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's so like we get inured to it. So then, when the f- bell finally gets rung in earnest, we <laughs> we like uh, you know, little boy who cried wolf it, and like ah, oh, what's well, until it's you know something something truly horrifying happens. Yeah, but yeah, I thought this portrait of this town was really interesting and what it revealed about the townsfolk and kind of how uh, I thought it was. Int- I thought it was really interesting too that I read I, I watched the kind of like the the bonus materials and they said that. This Calhoun Day thing was in, invented for the TV show. It wasn't yeah. part of the book narrative. Right. But it really does have this kind of like subtextual ability to kind of tie everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone in feedback shared with me this article about um, uh, th- this grand unification theory on on female pain in literature and how like women are kind of deified and, and, and made into goddesses and objectified by experiencing pain and debasement. Like they get transmuted into saints, um, hmm. and he gave several examples throughout, like you know, history and, and, and literature. Um, and there, I'm all, I'm all coming up a blank. But I, I thought it did a good job of like showing how this town, who's gripped in the middle, uh, in the midst of this, uh, you know, the, this, these murder and 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 uh, dehumanization of these two young girls, is also celebrating the like debasement and mm-hmm. and ritual humiliation of another little girl we find out that this this uh, Millie Calhoun is a child bride yeah so I thought it, it added a lot uh to 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 the thing and also I thought it was interesting because like uh 
I was. Do, do you remember when, like, uh, the first Civil War reena- reenactment came to our town? Not the first one, no, but I've definitely seen one around those areas, yeah. I, I was, like, 15, I think, when it first huh. happened. So it's not like it was a tradition, and, like, they took over the town park, and they yeah. did this, like, over a week, and, you know, of course, like, you know, my mom and dad took me and my brother and sister, and I remember walking and, like... Well, like, this field hospital is kind of cool, and, like, the campsites and historical information, but, like, I I was painfully aware of how fucking white my town was, (laughs) Uh you know, like, like, 100% white, there was 100% white people participants, and I started thinking, like, I wonder what it's like to be a Confederate soldier, you know, to be, like, fighting on the really bad side of hit the, the really wrong side of history and like what it's like. And I'm like, and I, I even remember thinking about like, well, maybe it's like playing a stormtrooper, but then I'm like, but they're, you know, like it'd be like playing a stormtrooper. If there's actually Jawas around and Ewoks and, <laughs> and Skywalkers that have been traumatized by them. Like, isn't it like I, even at 15 is like, this is really kind of fucked up. Like that there's, this sure. is just, there's, and there was very little commentary about, it was all about the historical, reenactment of it it wasn't and and, you know we're in a northern state there wasn't a whole lot of commentary about like the politics behind it like Mm -hmm. and it's just i mean this is a much more tone deaf version of that but like Mm -hmm. this shit really really does happen and um by i think everyone like 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 there's this part where camille says the c word you know you, you can't use the c word it does seem like there's a lot of people interested in completely divorcing this from the context which glorifies it yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, the 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 discussion about, you know, who writes the histories mm-hmm. um and also the the separation of those ideals from the actual actions. Right. Uh there's they kind of go hand in hand yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I I don't know. That's it it's weird. It, it's very weird. It's a weird thing to reenact battles that were fought for uh, bad reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Continually, and in, in, in you know, like I, I, yeah, I, it's 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 hard for me to wrap my head around. And I thought there's a lot of interesting things, like the fact that uh, the only the only black woman in attendance, as far as I could see, was their housemaid, mm-hmm. who is behind the scenes, essentially serving all these white people. Like, yeah. man, there's just a lot of like really uh, on the nose commentary here. Uh, but I think it's all overshadowed by. The psychological torture <laughs> that's as bad as anything I've seen physically on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like, like poor Camille gets gets flayed alive by her sister and her mother, uh-huh. and her like kind of like feeble attempts to fight back and uh, like just just seem very childish and they are. I mean, they're their reactions provoked by her mother, right? You know, but, it's it's foolish, like. She needs to take a step back and say, what do I want? Yes. What do I want? Not what does my mother want and let me do the opposite. Yes. But what do I actually want to do here? Do I want to solve this case or do I want to leave? Because if I want to leave, just fucking leave. Yeah. And she's got this weird thing where she, I think she wants to try to save her sister, Mm -hmm. but she's, she's under that, that desire is being undermined by her ability to lash back out. Like, oh, you're going to blow up my journalist spot. Well, I'm going to reveal your about your other cell phone right and yeah and i I, like it it's fully understandable the behavior being displayed but it's just sad because like you can't beat this person by playing their game no you cannot And, and then at the end where 
she pulls like it's such a classic fucking narcissist move where she pulls her like like she gets their victim to completely <laughs> lower their guard uh-huh. lower all their shields in this guise of this apology and and i think camille's like i fucking found your golden child you you owe me and i'm going to be magnanimous about it and i'm going to well i'm sure you know best and I, i'm not going to butt in and be like you serious you're a fucking psychopath you're ruining this girl and then Adora just slashes her with the, like, you know, that's why I never loved you. And maybe yeah. you can find solace in that fact. <laughs> and it's, that's my apology. Yeah. Fuck you, lady. And it's like a duel, like, toss-up between, is that the worst thing I saw in this episode? Or is Adora carefully engineering a situation mm-hmm. to use Camille's body as a way to further degrade Camille... Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, say that you can never be loved by anyone. You can never be close, and you're ruined. You're literally ruined. Like all these exterior scarring, it's all bone deep, and you're you're ruined. And also, I'm glad that Amma saw this because this is an object lesson about what happens with right. girls who are willful or whatever. It's the fucking worst, man. Yeah, no, it's it's like it made me break out in hives, bleed from my rectum. Uh, and my nipples started lactating. Like all, all imp- possible things started start happening. My body, I, I just like I did. I, I was, I was beside myself. It was like it's like you hear the story about these uh, these South American warrior boys who have to determine prove their manhood by putting in on this glove that's like has like two hundred bullet ants sewed onto it. So they just have this excruciating torment for fifteen minutes, whatever. That's what it felt uh-huh. like watching these scenes. Like yeah. oh my god, I got my hand on a hot stove. I guess I got to keep watching. It's yeah, just, I had to put my dress in my mouth and scream. Yeah, no. It was too much. Yeah, it was because, like, <laughs> Seth and I were laughing because there's a recurring thing in uh, Lady Dynamite, which is um, a Netflix show that's kind of like this show's equal and opposite. It's, like, a very funny and real depiction of, like, mental illnesses and how they interact with family dynamics. And, like, Maria Bamford frequently, like, goes to her bathroom, just screams into her sponge because she just can't uh-huh. handle the shit that's happening. And here is, <laughs> like, uh, you know, something not played for laughs. Just, like, what? No. I mean, when you saw her mother steal her clothes just so this would happen, oh my god, what a bitch! And it's like this whole episode. I mean, this whole series really um, is about the scars that Camille bears from from you know the way right. that her mother, her family is, right. um, and not just physical scars; those are included, but also the mental scars. Like I look at that scene where she drops the water bottle and it Mm -hmm. goes into the room with the ivory floor, right? Mm -hmm. And she, even as a grown woman, is just terrified to go into this room, to set a toe into this room to pick up that bottle. And it brings up all these bad memories about the time she dragged mud in there uh, and how, you know, Civil War era floor that can't be replaced. It's just like the effect that that upbringing has had on her is profound. Yeah. And it's it's I do think like when she says, hey, you can't get close to people. And then Emma goes out or sorry, not Emma. Camille goes out and tries to prove her mother wrong. Right. At the end. Uh, that's all going to fail. Like mm. n- none of that is healthy. None of that is good. No. Even if she does prove her mother wrong, she's just played right into her mother's hands. Right. That's all she's doing here. Right. And, yeah. and she I don't know if she sees that. I don't know if she thinks that her rebellion makes her stronger. Mm-hmm. Um. But either way, it's just it's a bad scene for her. No, it's it's really hard dealing with these kind of just malignant narcissists. And the really unfortunate thing is, like most people, like Camille, you hope that like oh she's going to recover, like she's got this severe, you know, condition, and she's she's all uh, yeah. she's she's um, 
you know, making these steps and she's going to own the programs and maybe she will. But like the thing about narcissists, from my understanding, psychologically is once you get to the pathological stage of like borderline uh, uh, narcissistic borderline personality disorder, there's no coming back from that. Mm -hmm. Like there's no known form of like psychotherapy or drug treatment because Hmm. the very disease you have makes you resistant to getting like you, you will refuse the, uh, the, the idea that you need help. Yeah. And every little setback in a way will further your, you know, it's, it's kind of like, and it's like it's 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 impossible to help and empathize with these people because like one of the things that really rang true true to me because I've known unfortunately a bunch of like narcissists but when uh, Adora was like screaming for Amma at the end mm-hmm. and like narcissists spend their lives amplifying their emotions to manipulate people and to get attention yeah. so the very few times in life where it's appropriate to show strong emotion they just turn it up to twelve mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous and it you was, can't. Yeah. And, 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 and like a common reaction to people close to them is kind of like this bemused skepticism, like you're a, you know, like that's when you feel emboldened to kind of like, you're just a piece of shit. And that just reaffirms their worldview that no one cares about them or that like everyone is as awful as they are because they've set up the situation where they cannot be empathized with. So when Mm -hmm. no one gives them that sympathy or empathy, it's just like, well, everyone's (laughs) like me. It's right. It's like a really like a 12 lock box kind of layer of bullshit that you just can't ever break through. Especially uh, with somebody like Adora because she is privileged. You know, yes. that's the other thing. Like all of her narcissistic tendencies are fed by this lifestyle. Right. She's the center of the town, you know. Right. She's got a ton of money. She's yeah. got a beautiful house. Like all of these things make her feel like she's super important and right. can do no wrong. Yeah. Maybe if she were knocked down a few pegs, she might have a realization. Like if she were homeless on the streets, you know, uh, and had to do things to survive, maybe she wouldn't feel that way. But it, it, her situation is very easy on her. Yeah. Hey, before we get to uh, talking in depth about the episode of Sharp Objects, I want to talk about um, uh, what's going on in Bald Move this week. Uh, tonight, this is uh, Monday. Uh, or maybe it'll be Tuesday by the time you hear this. Better Call Saul Season 4 is premiering, and we're doing something like we did with Westworld for club members where we do an instant talk podcast. So this is like our traditional instant take where we just talk for 15, 20 minutes about the episode, like no extra notes, no research on Reddit, no feedback, just our our thoughts. And then we're going to then take that and, and open it up to audience participation in our live show. Uh, if you want to get in on that, uh, just check, uh, just just come come to baldmove.com right after the episode is over. Uh, if you're a club member, you can log in and there'll be a link to participate to the chat and uh, you can get right in there. We will be releasing the first part of that for everybody, but Instant Talk is just for club members, uh, which you can join at club.baldmove.com. Also, first round bald movie this week is Black Klansman. I'm pretty excited to see that. That'll be out uh, late Thursday night. Uh, every 4 p.m. at uh, Tuesday and Thursday, that's Eastern Standard Time, we will be uh, on twitch.tv slash baldmove playing some video games and hanging out with our chat. If you uh, see are interested in either of those things, please come by, twitch.tv slash baldmove. We released a Life is Strange bonus episode from Before the Storm. Uh, speaking, if you, if you like uh, uh, entertainment that's circled around women, and their issues. The Life is Strange series is a really good one for that. Um, also, we have hella good, huh? Hella good, hella good. Yeah, because uh, it's also set up the Pacific Northwest. If you if you couldn't tell from that <laughs> reference. Uh, finally, uh, Quip, uh, which is our Quit Your Pitching, is going to be dropping this Wednesday uh, for club members. And finally, finally, 
Uh, it's just, just less than 48 hours left to participate in my Kickstarter for our, my book. Go to book.baldmove.com. I wrote a book with a religious scholar about the religions of Westeros as depicted in Game of Thrones. It's interesting. I, I flatter myself to say it's interesting and funny. Um, and there's just 48 hours left to participate and get uh, the exclusive rewards. Um, we're like $250 away from a stretch goal to essentially double the size of the book. Um, from 45,000 words to 90,000 words. Uh, so check it out, book.baldmove.com. Uh, if you wait till Wednesday, it's already too late. It's funny, too, because like in the beginning of the episode, like Alan and Adora, who they really hinted that Alan just come, went in there and raped his wife. Yeah. And I, I don't... Did they do anything with that? They just the next morning, how, like, you know, Alan's back to being the loving submissive, uh-huh. and she's back to being the, the ice queen, and he's as he's dre- helping her dress, he's like, this day is all about celebrating what about this town is unmovable. And he's talking about, you know, this crazy Calhoun day, but he's just uh-huh. as easily talking about Adora, because, like, there's nothing, you know, you can, like... I, I don't know. It I mean, was... if it were up to the chief, the Calhoun Day wouldn't have happened, right? Adora here is the unmovable yeah. thing yeah, yeah, in yeah. the equation. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like the town got off easy because, I, I, like you, I was primed for Amma to be abducted. I was yeah. primed for a shooting. I was primed mm-hmm. – like just a bare-knuckle brawl between the two leading suspects in the minds of the, <laughs> the, of the town uh, is probably getting off, getting off pretty easy. I think so. Um, but, yeah. And then, like, man, there's just – there's so many layers to this. Like, how are we feeling about Camille's editor now? Man, he's digging himself deeper the, every episode. This feels like a deep, like this feels like a deeply enmeshed codependent relationship. It's mm-hmm. not healthy. Like, it, I was kind of on the fence because I thought, like, when she called him, and this is something else I really identified for. Like, she's back in her hometown. She's been forced to spend time with her mother, and she's like tearfully, like, every time I come here, I just feel like a bad person. Mm-hmm. And he, like, you know, kind of, like, tut-tuts and, you know, tries to smooth things over. And I'm like, well, maybe he's good. But then he tells her to go have a couple stiff drinks. Like, you're just you're just enabling her, mm. man. And you don't – I don't think – like, I'm, I'm kind of more convinced about the theory we kind of touched on last week that this is as much about him trying to capture some kind of glory for himself and for the newspaper yeah. and to make – you know, put a put an exclamation point on his life, which I might be over pretty soon because of the cancer or whatnot. Could be, but like I just, I I think I f- finally turned on this guy. I think he's bad news, and he does not have Camille. Like, I don't even know if if like if if he tells himself he does. I think he's lying <laughs> to himself, and I don't even know if he tells himself he does. No, thought, he he fucked up in this episode. I mean, he's yeah. he's keeping. She's clearly cracking. And yeah. he's keeping her there. You know, th- this whole idea of, oh, you can just come home if you want to. That's another guilt trip. Yeah. That's just Adora yeah, in you action can, there. Yeah, like, you can quit. You can give up anytime. Yeah. It's like the SEAL instructor telling you, you to ring the You can disappoint me right yeah, now Yeah, if you ring want the to. bell. Get out of here. I don't care. Right. Like, it's, yeah, good tap out. Like, yeah, and he's saying, he's saying it as, as, you know, pillowy as possible, right? He's right. acting like he cares about it. But right. he's keeping her in a situation that is very bad for her. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna make a prediction. I don't think Camille's making it out of this this show. You think she's gonna die? I think she's gonna die. Holy yeah. shit! Bold prediction. I mean, her her trajectory is not a good one. Yes. Uh, no, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is not. It is not for sure. Uh, I just don't. I don't know what's the force that's going to kill her. Because well, well, I look at I look at that scene where you know they're trying on the dresses, mm-hmm. and you know the, she busts open the door and she shows her mom her body, and her mm-hmm. mom's like, uh, d- that. Uh, it's worse than I remembered. Uh, d- is it over? 
yeah. is it over? No, you bitch, it's not over. It's right. never over for Camille. Like, right. That's the thing. She, you look at the scene she had with Alice, right? Mm-hmm. And she says, no, it doesn't, it doesn't end. It doesn't get better. You just right. survive. And I don't think she's going to survive. Hmm. I think she's going to end up like Alice. She's going to end up like all the girls in the town who are dying. That's... I like so, I, I I kind of I mean I I don't think that's a bad take. I just wonder what's the mechanisms is actually going to kill her because like mm-hmm. it seems like it'd be more likely a car wreck than like a murderer trying to kill her because she's yeah, not yeah. in the demographic. No, I don't, I don't think it's a murderer. I think it's either herself or sure an accident maybe. Um, accident doesn't seem very poetic, but I do want to talk about the mystery a little bit because there's very little of it in this 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 story. Yeah. Um, the the fact that like Camille. When she found out about Emma's phone, it kind of homed in on the fact that, you know, uh, Natalie and Anne used to be friends with her. And I was really trying because I felt the next 60 seconds are pretty, pretty crucial to understanding, like, what kind of an involvement because uh, Emma seemed guilty as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and she seemed to be very dismissive about the relationship. On the other hand... You know, when kids say, well, that was last year, that was back, I'm in junior high, I'm in high school now, that was junior high stuff, and they still want to play in the woods and shit. Like, that rung true to me, too, because, like, a year ago to a child is, like, five or six years for us, just yeah. from how long they've lived and their life experiences and how quickly they change. Um, I, what, what's your opinion? Is that is this uh, Emma somehow being guilty and complicit of what's going on in the town? Does she know that her mom's <laughs> more involved with it? Is she herself the killer? I find Emma untrustworthy. Oh, yeah, th- yeah. In, in almost every regard. So when she says something, I instinctively don't believe her. Yeah, I wonder if it's too late for Emma already. Like, if, if someone were to take her out of this home and, like, teach her how to be with people, would she be able to avoid this cycle of being pulled into her mother's trap, or is it already too late? Because you can see her yeah. skillfully manipulating things uh, just like her mother, mm-hmm. um, because that's what she's learned. And there's uh, some moments of, like... Like, I thought when Emma begged Claire, uh, Camille to stay and said, look, if I can stay here, you can. I thought that was a genuine moment of, like, you know, misery loves company. And mm-hmm. I now, like, I've seen the depths of your misery through ex- expressed through your exterior. Uh, you know, you, you got to stay here and help me fight this or something. I don't And, and I, I, don't I, know. I look at how, I think, anyway, from what we've been told, how Camille changed after the death of her sister Mm. um and and there is something to that maybe maybe if she had a partner in this bad situation someone Mm. to help see her through she could come out the other side but once camille lost her partner in it which was her younger sister uh she turned to the dark side she Mm -hmm. started developing a lot of problems yeah um and then after that you know she leaves and emma's all alone Emma starts rebelling. Emma starts going down the path of Camille. I wonder if, you know, maybe her her sister hadn't died early on. Maybe mm-hmm. she would be a very different person. They they could have kind of weathered the storm together. Yeah, I because like as Jamie T has been talking about on the forum, uh, I've wondered that too. Like when you saw that scene of like teenage Camille doing that kind of like jokey photo shoot, like you know being subversive about her mom's big day with the ivory tower, ivory floors. And her sister's mm-hmm. kind of joining in on that, but then you see, like, the end product is Camille got shot, shut out of that shot because she's too much of a, a tomboy. Also, right. I thought the timeline was interesting there. I, 
I'm still going with the notion that Camille's hair, like short tomboy haircut, was a reaction to whatever happened to her in the woods with the boys. Mm, okay. Uh, but so this was like post whatever happened at the shed, I think. Yeah. Um, but pre like when she when she started cutting, I think. Um, but so like she's already you, kind of a little fucked up, <laughs> right? Going back to Jamie, like that. The, there's like in in a family with narcissists and there's multiple children. The children all play different roles. Like there's the one that's the golden child, and then there's the one that's the black sheep, and then there's the ones that are kind of like trying to stay out of those t- twin beams of focus that you want to want to be in. The golden mm-hmm. child. Uh, is like it sounds like that's the way to be because you get elevated and you get showered with all the affection, but it's not real affection. And the most vicious kind of torment can come out because like if you shatter their illusion of you being this perfect being and you are going to do that mm-hmm. some point in your life, you will shatter that illusion because no one is perfect. Uh, you get you get the ultimate scorn. And if you're the, the black sheep, it's just unrelenting. You just like always are. You're the Danny DeVito to the Golden Child's Arnold Schwarzenegger and twins. You're always the like everything wrong about you know and like this that like I I'm very curious to meet Camille's real father and I wonder if we actually will. Mm-hmm. I wonder if her real father is Chief Vickery. <laughs> okay, because there, there are some comments. There's in this some episode, catty yeah. comments about how the uh, what the hell's From her last Jackie, name? I think. The the Cal it's not the Calhoun girls because that's her that's I guess she is a Calhoun she comes from that stock but uh-huh. uh, and it's not Preaker uh, no, I don't know their names anyway it's like the girl they love their men in in badges yeah and that combined with what we found out about the flirtation between Adora and Chief Fickers uh, I, I I I wonder I wonder Chief Fickers does huh. he does he seem like he's angry and aloof and unapproachable. <laughs> Not really. But then again, why would I trust a thing that Adora says about a man who apparently rejected her or left her? Yeah. Like she like a narcissist would have to She's frame, rewriting the history. She would have know? to frame yeah. that person as Lucifer himself because anything else would be smirch her. Like if there's something right. you know, if there's even you know, most therapists will say like most relationship problems, the most blame you can assign is like a fifty five forty five split. <laughs> There's no way a narcissist would have that. They're not even going to take yeah. 5%. Or, or they have a flaw. It's like, I was too patient. I let them go too <laughs> right. far. Like, you know, Their virtues become flaws. It's yeah. like in an interview, what's your weakness? Oh, I just worked too damn hard. Like, it's uh-huh. all bullshit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It. Uh, I, I thought that was interesting, though, because we found out all this information about Camille's father and how, you know, that... It, it's funny because she also says in her, her color and temperament, like... They're all redheads, and yeah. they're all, like, fairly fiery disposition. Like, I think Adora just doesn't want to see that how much of her daughter is Camille and how much of her daughter is Adora. And, like, I, I, I guarantee we find out about teen Adora and teen Jackie, and it's the same shit. <laughs> right. It's the same shit. Uh, yeah, we did see the, the cheerleader pack. I like what this show does with their glimpses of flashbacks just to clue us in they don't need us some exposition to tell us hey these are cheerleaders who camille grew up with uh they just show it to us in a brief flash yeah and then then, like it looks like they were all arrayed against camille in judgment of going out into the woods um which is interesting because i don't know how much of a reliable narrator uh camille is when she's Mm -hmm. talking to um willis detective willis because she said that like it's essentially the cheerleaders took turns being let out into the woods and you know being had had the boys having their way with it maybe not so much maybe 
Um, there's also confirmation that uh, the teacher, um, shit, what is that guy's name? Uh, 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 Lacey, Kurt, Kurt Lacey. He is the kind of the boy we see in the flashbacks that like was pointing a gun at her and was like the first yeah. to start getting undressed. Uh, he is the guy that was storming out of the bars from when people were like you know talking about Camille inappropriately, and he seemed like he wanted to rekindle <laughs> things in an in, in yeah. ill-advised way. Did did Camille was not having any of it? No, no, as she shouldn't. She does not want to get sucked into this town. Right. Get the fuck out of this town as fast as you can. Plus, I just wonder if this Lacey guy has, like, really... Like, I mean, we just we don't know enough yet about what exactly happened to Camille, but, mm-hmm. like, the way she reacted to it... Um, I don't know, maybe she's just over... Like, I don't know if this guy's married or not. Maybe she's over these guys, like, treating her, like... You know, just because she was promiscuous at one point in her life, that she's still—that's all she is about. Uh, I don't know whether, like, this guy's—you know—that this guy actually has participated in, in a gang rape of her, and yet thinks it was like something that was what it wasn't. I—I I don't know. He's right. an interesting guy. Yeah, I'm curious what uh, their extended history is like, and maybe we'll get more on him. I think it's—it's—I'm leaning toward like one of these. I guess football players mm-hmm. um, being the murderer here, but like, oh really? But it doesn't make sense. I, I'm I'm thinking of it like, okay, maybe they're trying to relive that stuff that happened back in the day with Camille, but the, but the victims aren't sexually violated in any way, so right. so that kind of precludes that. And there's the woman in white. That's got to be significant. Oh yeah, and that kid, um, James. James something. I don't know. We see him in this episode running, yeah. like stealing a soda and presumably some food and running away. Yeah, he like stuffs a, a swag bag full of stuff yeah. and then he slams right into Ashley as the, she was storming out with John. Oh. Did you see that in the background? I, I didn't. His background shot where he was like looking through his bag, like walking, <laughs> and then she was walking out with John. They just smashed in each other. Nice. Um, I want to talk about Ashley because she clearly yeah. is an attention seeker. I wanted, and, to, and she says she knows things, but does she, or does she just want the attention of people who think she knows things? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I just want to ask you what you make of. I mean, Camille doesn't seem like it's a threat to her, mm-hmm. and who knows? Like, because like when people say they know things, like who the fuck the, 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 the what? Who knows what they what they know? She's talking about things about Camille. She's talking about things about Emma. She's talking about things about Adora. Mm-hmm. She's talking just like town gossip. She's talking about murders. Yeah. Who knows? Because, like, a lot of those things would not phase Camille in the slightest, but some of them would. Uh, Camille seems like she's more amused that this little wispy teenager is going to threaten her, you know, <laughs> right. with blowing her up. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, I was very curious to see uh, why. Because, like, I guess she was wanting camille to take some pressure off john and this article seems to have done the exact opposite um yeah. and i will say that like i am the opposite of this article like i think that bob and john have nothing to do with this and uh, like there's just no like does bob Jackie. act like a guy who murdered his daughter he he acts like a very angry man yeah and i don't really blame him um I don't know. I don't know many people who've murdered their daughter. That's true. So, like, and like, you know, what is what um, does that look like? What is a scale of human reaction? Right? You yeah. just don't. You know, like I, I think that Adora like screaming for Emma is a bit much. But that's, 
I mean, honestly, if I just saw a woman that I didn't know what kind of mother she was, I'd like, well, I don't know. Like, that's probably how not I would I, I wouldn't act. But, like, mm-hmm. what is normal when your child's been abducted? Like, you know, is <laughs> right. stone face calm, extreme histrionics? Like, it's all kind of within the human performance envelope. It's just I don't I just don't believe anything Adora says because everything about her is performative. And there's speaking of that, like, there is a lot of other, like, really interesting touches in this episode, like, when they're out in public and they're driving to the dress store and, like, Adora turns back to her children and beams at both of them. Like, hmm. it's also been my observation these narcissist people are very good at, like, demonstrative, like, displays of motherhood and fatherhood, like, when they're out in public being, like, the perfect dad and the perfect mom and showing their yeah. perfect family that but that all just disappears as soon as you get home and i felt like that was like what the hell are you grinning at you idiot oh my girls are together and i'm going to go dress up and when and when she, i and i feel like she knew damn well what she was going to force on the situation before she even stepped into that that dress store mm. yeah uh, no I, I mean you it's never more clear than when adora steps out onto the the porch mm-hmm. for the first time you know she comes out of her house this is her calhoun day face and everyone's going to see the best side of her uh, every it's hilarious. Everyone is welcome in her home that day, except don't go in her home. Yeah, every, it's except understood. Stay the fuck out of my home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of like that passage in 1984 where Winston is like, uh, "There's no, of course, there's no law against <laughs> keeping a written diary, but everyone understands that the penalty for doing so is death." Like, right. yeah, everybody come into Dora's house, but like, also no one set foot over that threshold. And like when yeah. she was explaining to her housemaid like how there's multiple rings like the people invited inside the house get the fleur de lis and all this other stuff and the people that are in the tents they get like everything's like vague segmented on how close you can get to adora yeah and then everybody outside the tents they just get the plastic wear you know like <laughs> and she kind of like laughs like all oh, the little people it's it's pretty fucking gross except for yeah. she does dip into the little people and get the mother who's got a da- a, a baby with down syndrome so she can again right. performative it's not that she gives a shit it's just that she knows that plays well, and she likes to play well. And I found it funny that she calls those mothers ladies, and mm-hmm. then she walks up to her friends and calls them girls. Yes. It, it's it's this weird thing of, like, the people who are most distant from you, like, mm-hmm. l- just lifting them up the slightest bit, like, giving them a little bit of respect and demeaning the people closest to you so they, they know who's in charge. I, that's a good – that's uh, – I, uh, I thought you were going with uh, the fact that – um, Adora can't deal with the idea of her aging and getting older. Oh, probably and not that being perfect. Too, yeah. And like she's saying, we're gir- we're still the girls. We're the veranda girls. We're timeless. Right. And we're and we're always going to be desirable. And these all these poor fucking cows. <laughs> Even though I'm twice as old as with the their ladies. dragon udders and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And I was so I've not been really hip on the whole Jackie's part of the murderer, but I've been kind of like turning this around in my head and thinking. You know, what if Adora and Jackie were that that in group were part of the ones that murdered the the lesbian couple out in the woods okay. as some kind of like you know group conformancy, you know crazy uh, kind of weird kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, like it's almost a, a cult at this point. And maybe Adora doesn't have anything to do this this time in the generation. Maybe this is like all stuff that because the first time we meet Jackie, she's wearing this like kind of diaphanous. Uh, white gown and she's mm-hmm. drunk as sh- and she's high as fuck and all that i wonder if like <laughs> this is something that jackie's like now that 
Adora's daughter's kind of mixed up at it. She's kind of like, well, this is what we do in this town, and Adora doesn't have what it takes. Like, I, is it a power play? Is it? I'm starting to warm up to the idea that maybe Jackie is part of this because, my God, she's consumed with jealousy. <laughs> she definitely is. Like, yeah. she is talking so much shit about Adora and, mm-hmm. you know kind of leading that charge against the cat of the cat brigade. but on the other hand like all that catty shit felt very authentic for this set and setting too yeah and i i wonder where the line is between like pointing out adora's flaws of which she has many yeah and going overboard with that and right. becoming just catty you know for the sake of it and becoming suspicious you know yeah no there's like that whole like know. you know that southern midwestern thing like oh bless their heart which is essentially a slur a slur yeah. a swear like it's a way to run someone down and be like oh but they try you know mm-hmm. it's it's right. pretty transparently <laughs> passive aggressive but um uh what i want to talk about the uh calhoun day and there was a neat subliminal thing where like the 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 stage banner that said Calhoun Day said Shallow Day for a split <laughs> second before it dropped. Okay. Um, Hama drops a, ta- uh, drops a tab or a pill, pops a ecstasy or MDMA, and everyone, like, I thought that was an interesting detail. They're barely kind of keeping it together. <laughs> I see her face when the battle's going on. She's yeah. just like, why- mouth agape, eyes wide. Yeah, like, what a spectacle this must be. Yeah, yeah. And all these people, like... <laughs> what a trip that must have been. Uh-huh. Brave kids. Brave kids taking mind-altering drugs and then trying to do this thing. <laughs> Foolish. But maybe but you have to to like simulate you, yeah. you know, Union soldiers raping you to, de- uh, to death or half to death, I guess. They, so somehow they, they raped her, beat her, burnt her at the stake, uh, caused a, an abortion, but she didn't die. And then, yeah, her her husband comes back. Yeah, and, and like, she's like puts okay. out her leg flames. Or, and she's Yeah, she's okay. What the right. hell does that even mean? I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, everyone applauds. Um, what is Emma? There's a couple of scenes where she's conspicuously watching Camille and Willis kind of being cute and happy in the background. What is she like thinking? And again, keep in mind that she's like high as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, is she like happy for her sister? Is she confused? Is she wanting to? Because like you know, is she wanting to blow that up? Because we saw her be inappropriate with. Uh, the teacher we've seen her be mis- uh, inappropriate with detective willis uh what what is what's going on with her i don't know man uh i watched the after after the credits thing yeah um where they were talking about this episode and they i don't know if this is the part you're talking about but there's basically the scene where everybody's kind of looking at everybody and the mm-hmm. camera is just kind of looking at everybody looking at everybody yeah um, and they're doing that to raise the tension of what's going to happen here. Is anything going to happen? And the here? drums of the stage are part of like just this ratcheting of tension. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're not meant to like focus on any character and say that things are happening. They're just meant to. Th- those scenes are meant to heighten the tension. And is it part of those scenes? Yeah, no, because it, I it feel like is. it might not mean anything. It might but just be that tension they're trying I, to create. I feel like that's a. I was frustrated by that after credit sequence because I thought it was. <laughs> it's the director talking about it. It's been a lot of time saying nothing because like, uh-huh. you know, when you see Vicar staring down Bob and you see Bob staring down John mm-hmm. and you see uh, Willis staring down the three drunk good old boys and when you see Amma stare down uh, Camille, it is meaning something. Sure, Like, sure. maybe they don't know what it means. Maybe they're just getting interesting shots. But, like, you're supposed to take something. It's not, 
yes, it also is a is a is a is, is a um, a way to build tension. But it's not all it's doing, and I kind of wish I had because I, I just thought of all of the glances, all the other stuff seemed fairly transparent about like what it's supposed to represent. But I thought um, uh, Amma was kind of like inscrutable in what she was was looking at. Uh, also, want to point out the deep irony of this uh, celebration of this uh, <laughs> Confederate woman standing strong against the Union soldiers raping her. They 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 played out the battle hymn of the Republic. Mm-hmm. Which was actually our song written as a way to rally uh, Union troops against slavery. <laughs> like if you read the lyrics, it's all about like you know setting men free and you know paying horrible prices f- to get that huh. that freedom. And it's like you know, like I feel like in nowadays it's just this g- generic kind of like pro America song. But no, it actually has a very specific time and meaning in, in this country and how they they add it to the end of this bizarre celebration of confederate culture is just like the icing on the the weird shit cake that they're baking here uh do you think there are any connections to make between um the couple of scenes that i noticed where the audio sort sort of drifts out and gets very quiet and very yeah. muddy uh one of them is ammo when she's tied to the tree and she's watching the battle take place and she's high mm-hmm. on mda mm-hmm. or mdma whatever she's on mm-hmm um, the other time is when Camille is remembering the the ivory floor scene. Yes, and I don't I don't really know what they're trying to say by com- essentially linking the two girls uh, with those those motifs. Yeah, it's interesting because I also thought there was a little bit of hint if you want to find it in like maybe the photographer noticing Camille as a woman mm-hmm. that inappropriately hmm. and how like maybe. And the fact that she's not in the picture, like, I wonder if, like, that... And, and again, in the timeline, I think, where this is, like, a post-cabin-in-the-woods situation, um, you know, is Camille seeking out that kind of attention? Or is she just heightened awareness of the fact that she the male gaze is upon her? Like, I thought that was an interesting aspect of it that the, that the show... Like just showed again without comment, and mm-hmm. it's 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 really intriguing, and you wonder like okay what because like again three episodes to go, it's amazing how much mystery swirls around the actual past of Camille and what went on in her town and her mother's past and also the murders itself. It's like man, three hours of television is going to resolve all this stuff in a satisfying way. Maybe you're right; it's not going it's going to we'll be see. resolved, but not in any kind of satisfying way. I don't think it's going to be sad. Well, it might be satisfying. As a viewer, it might provide closure, but I don't think it's going to be happy. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about the scene where Adora takes Detective Willis on her arm and gives her a tour of the house. Mm-hmm. Now, they left it ambiguous, but I find it hard to believe that Adora didn't spill a bunch of sh- beans on Camille. And I think that Willis is being uh, kind by dismissing it and not talking about it. I felt like the idea is she put in his head might have been enough for her Hmm. Um, and that she might not have gone into details she just says you know this woman is bad yeah and there are things that you don't know about her her." soul's rotten and that gets the wheels turning in his head right and that's what she's there to do yeah because like just going and saying like and she's got scars over her body and she was raped and all this would be like she's aware it's not the idea of taking someone's lover and 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 cluing them in that the, that your own daughter's a bad person and war- it, it's not that's not the gauche thing like the thing that'd be gauche or vulgar would be to be too explicit in how you're trying to say that yeah you and know? and it might turn 
it might turn him from suspicion and like side-eyeing side-eyeing Camille into full-on sympathy for Camille. And that is not what Adora wants here. Right. Uh if you go, if you go into the details, he might start thinking in the wrong direction. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, that might like I said, I I can't feel good about Willis and Camille, uh, Rich, Richard and Camille's relationship because it just feels like it's not going to be great for both of them. But uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's happening for all the wrong reasons. Yes, exactly. And it's happening way fast. And mm-hmm. it's happening in where both of them are in bad, lonely places in their lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it it is going to be interesting to see like how he reacts. You know, like her mother's. I mean, that's the sad thing. Her mother's assertion that no one can ever be close to you because if they're close, then they see you naked, and that implies that you're unlovable. And I don't think that's. Right. I don't think that's true. Like I was thinking after the episode, it's like okay, if I loved a woman like Camille, like I think it would be eventually like kind of a bummer that she can't be comfortable enough to show her body to me. Like I'm like I mm-hmm. like I think there are people that would happily over overlook that or even see it as like an oppressive thing. Like, my God, look at how much this woman has, has gone through and she's still capable of love and loving. But like, then again, like maybe Camille just will never be comfortable showing that aspect of her. Right. Uh, Cause it's like, it's, it's, it's not about, you know, what Richard's level of comfort is, it's about her own level of comfort and what it means to like, it's, it's a very complex thing. And like how, that relationship to work is going to take years and years of like tiptoeing and and caution and and understanding and empathy and ah uh, mm-hmm. it's uh i don't know i hope she finds that but it just doesn't seem like it's going to be the thing no i think i think there's too much shame there to get over in three episodes <laughs> no yeah for sure for sure um but uh is, is there why did emma run at the end of the episode, just because she got spooked. And I, I think so, yeah. People just, do weird things when they're Right, high. right. I liked how they made her eyes super dilated. Did uh-huh. you notice that? I didn't. But. Like, they, I probably used in contacts because uh, if you went out in bright sunlight with your eyes dilated like that, you, it'd be blinding. Yeah. But her eye, her pupils took up almost the entire iris <laughs> of her eye. Um, so maybe she just got spooked. Like, like yeah. this, she was just turned the trip bad. And yeah. She's like, fuck it, I'm going to go run through the the, the creepy cabin. Uh, she also got banged up, scratched up. Uh, do you think those are just from running through brambles, or do you think she's experimenting with her sister's method of releasing emotional pain? No, I think that's just from running through the woods. Hmm. Hi. Uh, if I'm if I'm spitballing here. And just taking a guess. Do it. She ran after she saw the fight between Bob and, yes. well, and I think John, right? It's not quite clear, but I think, uh, yeah, that was the distraction that she then ran. So I, I guess, yeah, why else would she have ran? So <laughs> go, going into Amba is the murderer territory. Okay. Uh, maybe she she thought the jig was up. Maybe she thought... You know, this is drug logic here. So maybe she sees the fight going on between the people that everyone thinks are the murderers, and she somehow gets it into her head that she's going to be sucked up into that Hmm. because all based on the theory that she is the killer, and I don't have much evidence for that. But then she runs into the woods to the place where Anna and uh, Natalie used to play. Uh-huh. Um, wh- wh- I'm thinking, why specifically does she go to that shack out there? Is it simply to get away from everyone, or is it is it deeper than that? 
It does betray something, right? Because if that yeah. was like all kid stuff and she's over it, then why is that the first place she runs to when she right. feels like threatened by the situation? Um, and but also, she's also seemed kind of like fairly cold about the way the girl's death and all that. I, it's it's tough because figuring out Emma is is only slightly lessly or, or slightly less difficult than figuring out Adora. And yeah, I don't know because Adora is kind of like figuring out a lizard. You know, it wants what it wants. It doesn't have any human empathy or emotion to kind of get. Uh, and and Adora's <laughs> a lot that too. So it's like they're not hard to figure out, but it's almost like you never know what stim what what stimulus you put in and what reaction you'll get out. Yeah, I, I feel like once you figure out who Adora and Emma are, which is pretty right. easy, like you said, right. you just forget them. You right. just leave them. Yeah, you know, you want nothing to do with those people. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's like um, it's tough to do because like there's surprisingly little sympathy for uh, uh, children that have like these sort of abuse. Like not like hmm. you know like there's all kinds of sympathy for like if your parents beat you with like whips or burnt you with cigarettes or you right. know yeah. got you shut you in closets and but like this kind of like just withering psychological abuse like people. I think people try to contextualize that with like, oh well, you know, I was a teenager too, and I remember things being tense. So like they're they're normal, like rebellion and people trying to metamorphosize into adults and 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 coming into friction with other adults who've seen it as their job to protect children with like truly pathological stuff because people don't have experience yeah. with this. And also, and that's what Adora herself says about right, Emma. Right, that's just being a teenager. Right. I think one of these articles I read. Um, uh, this week uh, around this 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 show was talking about how like I think psychologists say someone something like five percent of the population globally are what you would describe as sociopaths. Whoa! Um, so like like one out of twenty of your kid your friends in high school probably had a, a one or more parents that had a, the, there was some sort of psychopath or sociopath. Uh, but you would probably not know it because they're very good at hiding that stuff around other people. Hmm. And like the the family, like I speaking as a, a child of a narcissist, like I myself was complicit keeping that family secret because like you just didn't act out in public, right? Because right. like then, dear God, the shit that you would get when you got home, it's not worth it. It's not. Yeah. It's it's not worth the cry for help because help's not coming. <laughs> uh, and you know, even if an adult were to take a concern and be like, you know, are you okay? Like I just want to talk to you about. They're going to be like, oh, it's fine. You know how kids are. And then you get the real shit. Like, it's like, uh, you know, you learn real quick that there is no real respite from this other than to play the game. Survive. <laughs> and then once you get to be an adult, get the fuck away. And, yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. And, and, and cut off that con. Like, but, the, but you know, like, people again, are you, toxic and they're not going to change. So, but people like Camille just don't get a lot of, especially I think a person like Camille, because she's just like anyone that sees her is going to see how obvious, like how much damage she has and like probably give a door the benefit of the doubt. Mm. You know, assuming that this that is she a was dealing with a tough kid as opposed yeah, to yeah, like way look around. at this yeah. wild child. My God, she's carved up her body and like, oh, you're a saint for putting. I'm, I'm sure right. that and that just just keeps the coals on poor Camille's head. Mm -hmm. I don't have much more to talk about. Do you? No. Before we get to feedback, I just want to say if you've enjoyed our coverage of Sharp Objects and the perspective we've brought, uh, we really could use your support on our club, club.baldmove.com. Uh, we don't get a uh, a lot of advertising on Bald Move. Uh, we derive most of our support from our fans, which is nice because that means we're not really beholden to anybody. We don't have to junk up our podcast with a bunch of ads. Uh, we can just focus on doing the content that you guys uh, like and enjoy. Uh, 
it's pretty reasonable what we're asking for as far as club participation. If you go to club.ballmove.com, you can get the whole pitch. And it's not just altruism. You get a bunch of cool features like ad-free feeds, VIP access to the forums, uh, extra bonus content, both audio and visual. You can check out samples of all that stuff at club.ballmove.com and get a free 30-day trial at club.ballmove.com. All right, we do have a healthy amount of feedback, okay. uh, starting off with Ask Me at the Library card from the forums. I found this article about the episode from the AV Club, and I thought it spot on uh, with the themes of female pain. It's a good read. Also, definitely check out uh, the Leslie Jameson article if you're interested in these kinds of ideas and themes, because she's a great writer. This is an article uh, called... Uh, Sharp Objects presents a not-so-grand unified theory of female pain, and it's based on this article that Leslie Jameson wrote about the grand unified theory of female pain. And it's, you know, like I, I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast about how uh, there's a lot of tropes about, you know, women being deified and and uh, perfected. Like, the, the, like, if you look at how writers describe these these damaged women or these dying women how they've never been more beautiful and like they're never been more desirable and there's even a little bit of that with camille that like the thing that the same things that made her carve her body and uh feel like she's unloved or was unloved by her parents are the same ones that make her like possibly sexually promiscuous or desirable by other men um hmm. it's all you know the like i the way <laughs> you know things keep getting better and broad strokes but also just like the more i find out about i think the way we consciously and unconsciously view women in in society uh the more it just seems really fucked up so i'm gonna post those links in the show notes if you guys want to take a look at it because they're very long and lengthy and and i it's hard for me even to engage with jim because you've not read it so yeah i don't uh, and, but yeah, read it, read about, read that. And if you guys want to in, integrate in your feedback for next week, that'd be awesome. Uh, okay, so we got a couple of pieces of feedback before from the previous episode. Ripe Sherry S. After listening to your podcast on Ripe, you both seem suspicious about the fact that John went off into the woods for no apparent reason. Uh, when I watched the episode, I immediately assumed he had gone into the woods to get a spider. After John noticed the spider is missing from his sister's room, the next scene is his car pulling up, and he walks into the woods, presumably the place where his sister would play, and probably found the other spider the next time we see john he's putting a spider in the jar that oh he is apparently so damn all right i missed that that seems that seems very like i i was yeah. um just... i was more of the line like he was just trying to f get close to his sister again like he's not returning to the scene of the crime he's just but like this this definitely seems like a legit explanation for his behavior hmm. that ties in with him being uh chagrined to find the spider missing so. the good thing his sister didn't have like a more exotic pet yeah that he couldn't just go out into the woods locally and find <laughs> oh, i yeah. doubt they have a pet store yeah but like you know jack kept a lizard last year uh that we had that, that uh we caught in uh, our yard and mm -hmm. you know he caught him in the spring let him go in the fall and sometimes uh he would just go out in the backyard and catch crickets like if he had a python you'd have to go to the pet store and buy a pinky mouse or or whatever but like you know if you can just go out and find a bunch of crickets, why not? Mm -hmm. Free-range crickets. Uh, Jamie M., if you had to choose your own mother to have raised you between Adora Krellin and Betty Draper, who would you choose? <laughs> I mean, Probably Betty Draper. I think Betty is, is more passive than Adora. Well, it's, so there's an interesting difference between, like, what the, there's two, like, um, types of narcissists. There's the grandiose narcissist, Adora. and then there's the wounded narcissist. Yeah, And Betty. I think you're right, but... 
neither one is good don't yeah, get me wrong yeah like from Betty Draper's perspective like if you found out that Betty in her in her early 20s had developed a bad cutting habit and had to be put in some kind of rehab you'd be like not Betty um, Sally ah uh, yeah you'd be like yeah that sounds about right because it's uh, not like one's better than the other it's just how they manifest the, the narcissism and everything being about them it's like you know like whether they're trying to pres- preserve this like superior image of themselves or whether they're essentially saying the world is out to get them and is trying to shit on them and hold them down it's just mm-hmm. two sides of the same fucking coin so <laughs> that's true I don't know uh, no good answer yeah here. flip the coin and 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 take your chances I guess uh, all right, moving on to new business. Uh, Bailey P's up first. Uh, this is feedback regarding to this current episode. Um, closer. I want to pass along a connection I had between Adora and Cersei from Homer's The Odyssey. If you don't remember this character from your ninth grade English class, Odysseus. Uh, is that how you say it? Is Odysseus? Odysseus. I think it's Odysseus. Odysseus. I, but I'm not sure. All right, I'm gonna go with Odysseus. Okay. Uh, as men came upon Cersei in the mansion in the middle of a dense woods. Around the mansion prowl strangely docile wolves and lions. Once inside, the men are drugged and turned into swine, and the reader realizes the wolves and lions outside were also once men who had been enchanted. In Sharp Objects, Adora also lives in a mansion and seems to cast a similar emasculating spell over all men who enter, especially her husband, but even Officer Mustache is not immune. Furthermore, her name comes from the Latin adorar, which means to worship, and of course, he, huh. she owns a pig farm. Not sure what to make of this possible allusion, except to say that it would seem to underscore Adora's power, and it really makes me wonder what role the hog farm is going to play in the overall mystery. Interesting. There was a lot of interesting imagery in this episode of like the cooks like flinging pig corpses onto the yeah. banquet tables to later feed the people and... You might be on to something, how this is like uh, an almost... Um, like a fell kind of magic that she's she's casting over to town, and there, I also like that scene where she's pulling up to her dressmaker, and she's like, "Oh, look at those ugly!" Like you know, she's yeah, she's got this thing, like oh, what is that? oh, oh, you know, it's like this, people think they need that. It's like I don't know, isn't it weird though? Like, um, certainly when you live in, in like the the quote unquote city where there's crime, you see the like you go in a, a C store, a convenience store, and you see the bulletproof glass and the bars over the windows. Mm-hmm. But I also found it interesting. Like whenever I go to Beaver Island, there's the one fucking department store, or that's not a department, it's a grocery store, and you walk in there, and this has got to be the lowest crime of all of fucking Michigan because mm-hmm. you steal something, and what the hell are you going to do with it? You know, yeah, you know, <laughs> you're stuck on an island, right? Uh, but this this has got the most aggressive like signs of like smile, you're on camera, shoplift, and get a free ride in a cop car. This island has one fucking cop car, so it'd be the cop car. And I'm always like, how can you sit there and brag about how low crime? your town is and your community is but then have all this like heavily militarized shit in your store like which is it i feel like that's for the tourists like the you know you get a whole bunch of tourists coming in they're probably kids and assholes and it's still all kinds of people who are gonna pocket something right but like does that work i mean i guess i don't i don't know it's 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 just a weird contradiction between what you say about your town and your society yeah uh like when tourist season is over to take all that shit down i doubt it probably not Um, it's not worth the effort but yeah i mean it's it's different in a town where there aren't their tourism is not part of the economy right no no seems like it's all hogs and civil war reenactments right everybody knows everybody what what do you need with bars in this town 
And I'm not know. talking about yeah. censors. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, actual bars. Uh, well, that one time when someone broke a window that the, back in the in, in the early 80s. Uh-huh. Town's still getting over that one. <laughs> they are. Uh, Jason A., how long must it take to make up people to put all those words? Wait, let, hold on. Let me ask you. Do you think they put those bars in after the first killing? No fucking Anna? way. These seem like... No, okay. no. I, I, I mean, I don't know why I'm rejecting that out of hand <laughs> because there's no evidence. Because that's real crime. Like that's actual. That's true. Scary yeah. Like crime. there's there's yeah. women killing. But on the other hand, like we found out that this is like two women were killed a generation ago. Right. And the bars didn't come up. So or maybe the bars were up from that 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 that's uh, thing. Either I way, know. I don't think the killings are happening in the dress shop. <laughs> right. 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 So what do you need bars for? I don't know. Uh, Jason A., how long must it take to make up people to put all those words on Amy Adams' skin? Do you think it's some sort of mm. Photoshop? I, I I imagine they have they just have a whole bunch of these. You know how you like peel, um, like temporary tattoos, yeah, right? Yeah. Only latex, only made and, out of latex, sure. and ready to go with adhesive, mm-hmm. and they just real quick smash them on there and make up because most of the time they don't need them right it's only for a few choice scenes that in they fact need i was actually thinking watching this episode i wonder if they took like one or two days and did all all of those these shots. body shots could be you know because like it it probably if it, it probably was several hours at, in the makeup chair yeah and probably wasn't super comfortable but also i guess if i was amy adams like i think if i had a choice if i was Playing this role, and I had a choice between having my body actually heavily scarred up so I could like inhabit that, or just like, oh, we'll CGI in later. I I think I would prefer the makeup. Yeah, like I every actor I've ever seen, like you know, you think about all the people involved in the prequels that bemoan the fact that they're essentially acting in front of green boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, versus you know, like like the more realness you can add to the set and the setting, the costuming. <laughs> Like, I think it would help her get into that, that mindset and that role. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I don't want to undersell Amy Adams' acting capabilities. No. She's clearly a good actor. She could, even without the makeup, get into it. But it must be especially helpful when you're as beautiful as Amy Adams to see right. some kind of actual scarring on your body. Right? To stand in front of a mirror and look at that. Yeah, and like, what if this was my life? Space. Yeah, like, yeah. this is permanent. This is something I did. This is something I did in reaction to paint. Like, I think, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm sure it have been an amazing performance regardless. And if someone says sure. it's CG, then there you go. But, like, you take an amazing Amy Adams performance and you give her a little bit more fuel to the fire, it just becomes more amazing her. Yeah. So, because, uh, like, you know, um, actually, I don't want to step on the, I don't want to step on later feedback. I almost I almost did. So let's move on. Uh, Johnny Truant, uh, I was ready to call bullshit on Amma's pinned eyes, but the dilation scene was a nice effect. <laughs> the whole play scene made me feel very uncomfortable. The sound dropping in and out was a good way to portray the kind of disorientation that I'm sure she was feeling. Uh, question, does Alan wear a Union general uniform? I feel like there were some blue Confederate uniforms, but I'm not up on my Civil War history. Regardless, the mutton chops were solid. Uh, no, uh, Alan was wearing some sort of Confederate uniform. I don't know what the ranks were. The mm-hmm. the Union blues. I thought it was interesting they put Richard uh, uh, Willis in that like deep blue, navy blue, that is like a Union color. Huh. Uh, although he's kind of – is that the only outfit he has? Probably. Have I ever seen I him in anything know. but gray slacks and a navy blue button up? I couldn't tell you. Huh. Like, you know, your suitcase holds like at least another shirt, right? 
Um, but yeah, no, I think I think you're supposed to understand that, like maybe because they they talked about the scene where like Union and uh, Confederate soldiers drinking together. I didn't see it. Like the only Union soldiers I mm. saw are the, the three kids stomping around doing the the pre-show pageant like marching pageant and then them mm-hmm. doing the pantomime rape which i thought was like wow when i saw it right like jesus man um moving on groovy dooley uh jackie o'neill was all over this episode i find her activity startling suspicious on first watch i'm feeling you there jack uh groovy I'm thinking she, at the very least, knows about everyone's dirty laundry, maybe up to and including the little girls. I will pair this thought with the obviously horrible words and actions on Adora's part. While I believe she was actually being genuine with Camille, it seems like she will say and do anything to maintain her ideal town and her place in it. Genuine with... So who is being... I guess is Jack... You're talking about Adora, I'm assuming. And when you mean genuine, that's an interesting question because... There is the question of how much the narcissist is aware of their own machinations. Like, how mm-hmm. much of this shit did they believe, and how much of this shit is just learned, trained behavior that they're helpless to escape themselves? Yeah. Like, when she says to Camille, I never loved you, does she really mean that? And and what is and her conception she of a, love, anyway? Does she think that's a comforting thing to say? Right. <laughs> To Camille, right? Did she like? Did she walk away from the interaction thinking, "Boy, I really nailed that," or right. "Boy, I really stirred up this hornet's nest that is my daughter"? I honestly, I can't answer you that question mm-hmm. because I would have to get into the mind of a narcissist and figure out. It's kind of like a cult leader. Does the cult leader really believe in Zenu right. or the aliens hiding behind the comet, or is this a naked? Or is this? Are they truly deluded along their followers, or is this all about power? Yeah. You know, did Jim Jones think all of his followers were going to go to heaven on the spot, or was he just knew the jig was up and he wanted to take everyone out with him because he's a raging narcissist? Mm-hmm. I don't know, and honestly, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> because I kind of treat him like a black box. You just observe him by the behaviors and, and judge that way. Um, anything to add, Jim? Nope. Marley Girl eighty four. It seems like the show really wants us to notice how much Amma needs to be noticed. She drops the bomb about Camille's article in the clothes shop when her mom wasn't looking at dresses with her. And when she doesn't get attention for her performance in the play, she runs off in dramatic fashion right to the dreaded shack in the woods Camille had asked her about earlier that day. Intra- I didn't I didn't put that together, but I think she might be right. That it's attention Like, literally seeking? all eyes are on her while she's high on Molly and she's putting in his performance. And then the townsfolk's eyes are ripped away by what's going on with Bob and John. And she runs off because hmm. she wants to be the center of attention again. That's Maybe. a pretty good... In- I mean, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but it's a pretty damn good interpretation. Um, how she ended up so injured, they say, from scratches. Was she cutting herself to get her sister's attention in a specific way? I'm wondering where they're going with this. I, I'm i a little bit with you on that, Marley. Hmm. Um, the fact that you were kind of seemed dismissive about her, the scratches she got in the cabin. Um, I, w- I think it would be interesting to see if she is experimenting... And it could be another, like, manipulation. Like, oh, she, like, does a couple surface scratches. And, like, I'm just like you, Camille. Like, again, how genuine is it and how performative? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, she couldn't have she couldn't have known that Camille was going to find her out in there in the woods. Anybody could have found her. Um, and I don't think... I don't think when you're rolling, you mm-hmm. have that much... Uh, you're not that with it 
you're not with it enough to calculate like, hey, if I put some scratches on my body, I'm going to make her feel bad about this. Like, yeah. in my mind, it's more about sensation hmm. uh, when you're when you're on Molly. So like, you're, you're not thinking in those terms. Mm-hmm. You're thinking in like, oh, look at the beautiful lights, look at the colors, right. look how I feel. Yeah. Uh, that sound was amazing. Whatever. Right. Less less so about the psychological manipulation. <laughs> Yeah, but I've never been a girl like Emma dropping Molly either. You know, like my experience with like psychedelics and it's, like mood altering. From things what I understand, are, Molly's very specifically like sensory does it? type stuff. Yeah, I saw it like it kind of like maybe amplifies things that are already there, both good and bad. So like if she's like a little miniature monster, um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I it, it'd be hard for me to say either way. But I think that's that's plausible. Um, or like you know the other thing is like she she's found in the cabin like in the dark implying some passage of time so maybe she's come down and she's like realized like kind of like what shit she might be into and is going to do this to take the heat because her mom is probably going to be like I don't know her mom seemed to be like instantly over it but like what if she scratched mm-hmm. herself just to be like look what Camille made me do you know to <laughs> To play up the golden child and to play up uh, Camille's like black sheep status. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. These 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 fucking women. They're uh, just a just a basket of interconnected uh, craziness and <laughs> and uh, you know it take a it take a battery of psychologists to figure it all out. Uh, Sarah Tatuga. It'd be interesting if they made it like a. I would like to see a sharper a sharper sharper object a sharp objects that's. Um, because it's interesting to see this reflected in women, but it would also see. I'd like to see like a narcissist mother or father with uh, boys, hmm. because it's it's you know it's not any less destructive. And I, I just realized when I said these all these cra- these this basket of crazy women that seemed uh, pretty misogynist, and I'm just saying like <laughs> I, I guess think you these, mean these three specific these these basket women. of narcissists yeah. and people affected by narcissism. It's it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's just a it's a rat's nest that is very difficult to entangle. In fact, it's like I, I keep saying it's not worth it. Like if you're a child of a narcissist, I mean, get some therapy, see what the therapist says, but my vote is cut contact. Yeah. Or put extreme boundaries up. Uh-huh. Uh just like and and just do not let them trans- transgress at once. Uh, anyway, Sarah Tatuga. The primal scream Camille made while in the dressing room of that store was breathtakingly raw. There are plenty of horror movies with screams that sound like that, but this was the scream of a traumatized and abused child, which is so much more jarring and visceral than the former. And when Adora followed that up by casually telling Camille that she never loved her, hoping that would bring some comfort to her, and in the pretense of being tender and honest, is clear why Camille has so much pain, rage, and self-hatred seeping out of every pore. Oh, totally. Um, and that scene, like, the the choice to zoom in on Camille mm-hmm. in that scene while her mother's telling her that is right on. Yes. Because uh, uh, what Amy Adams is doing with her face and mostly yeah. her eyes, uh, actually, her face is, is like stone. Yeah. But her eyes, you can yeah. see in her eyes, she's just fucking furious and hurt and, to like, core, all of it. Yeah. and. It's brilliant. And she's it's an but, amazing but she's, understated performance. She's going to maintain that ironclad control because she'll be damned if she gives her mother the satisfaction of seeing that she've hit any kind of target. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. But you can see like these how these feedback cycles, these interaction cycles, there's no healthy way to interact with Adora because, mm-hmm. again, Camille thought, I've got one up on this woman. I saved the golden child. 
she's going to be at least a little bit conciliatory to I finally have something on her, not realizing that from Adora's perspective, being one down is terrifying mm, and yeah. i'm not fighting from this moral advantage so her like no she's not going to do any kind of genuine thing she's going to try to get camille right back into that 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 box mm-hmm. and being back to being her whipping girl and just to see it just caught camille flat-footed because i thought she thought she was going to get a genuine moment of like well i guess i was wrong about you or like you know maybe you're the black sheep but you turned out and she instead got the dagger right to the heart god damn uh, that's all the feedback we have uh, for this happy little show, Sharp Objects, uh, but fascinating show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'd like to send in feedback, uh, there's two ways to do it. TV at baldmove.com, uh, also forums.baldmove.com. Each week we have a thread that's spoiler-free from a book perspective. Uh, please don't spoil anything from the books because we're aware that the story has been told in another media. Don't want that to infect our enjoyment of the show. Uh, but go to forums.baldmove.com if you'd like to join in that weekly discussion. And we will be back next week for another examination of the next sharper object. Uh, and hopefully, I, I said that we'd have that Castle Rock. I didn't have a chance to get caught up on that this weekend, so I want to try to shoot for next week. Um, so we'll talk a little bit of Castle Castle Rock on next week's Bald Move TV too. We'll open up that laser focus a little bit back to the all television in the spectrum. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. Later. <laughs>